It's the Tillcast, episode 494, Two Man Dudes. And this week, guys, we talk more Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dying Light 2, and Vampire Survivors. Stay tuned. Uh, we don't have any cans this week. Um, it's a tilt cast. Yep. And we're back yet again. It is Saturday, February 5th at about 8.37 PM. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. And there's no Rusty tonight. Um, it's an M-rated show, so you're going to get about 30 minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, some games, some news. Um. Yeah, Rusty had something come up, and he wasn't able to come by tonight, so it's just going to be me and Jason. Um, I guess getting this party started, Jason, what you been up to? Man, not a whole lot of uh, just spending time with the kids this week after work, because work was, like, super stressful with the the weather and us getting, like, six inches of snow and yeah, we Texas did. got hit hard with ice, which meant lots of power outages, which meant our queues at work were super busy. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. The I ended up taking yesterday off, but that was actually because me and you were doing a little bit of tabletop, and uh, that seemed yeah. like the best way for me to prep for the day, get some me time in, and then it happened to snow that you know the day before, so didn't really affect me at all. But aside from just eating a bunch of food and drinking beer that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, you lucky son of a bitch. I mean, I feel lucky. In fact, actually, uh, I didn't get quite the cheat that I wanted, so I got some New York pizza tonight. Which, not really a mistake. It's really freaking good. But um, I overordered. It's Those slices are so big. I got two down. I have two left. Um... But yeah, I kind of want to just talk a little bit about, it's not like our traditional gaming thing because we usually talk about video games, but the tabletop stuff's a little bit different. Um, now that you've played the game, what would you say, what rule set are we using? Oh yeah, let's uh, clue everybody in on that. So Go for we it. played tabletop game last night. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, my buddy Dave's game. Essentially, the setting is uh, you're in the future, but not too far in the future. So say like 40 years in the future from where we are today. Um, the world has gone to shit. Um, we are a bunch of scavengers um, scavenging a wasteland, and we have some superpowers. Um, yep. But, um, it, but it, it's basically a modified D10 system. Uh, where each individual power um, uh, damage is determined by other dice, D8s, D6s, etc. Yeah, and what's different is the the thing about that that game is I've never actually, okay, I've played maybe, I've played half a campaign with a, a guy that writes for Wizards of the Coast. Um, and it was different um, than this. Um, it was a, it was a custom written campaign um, that we were just doing weekly for a while. But um, as far as this, this is all I've known as tabletop. The majority, almost all the tabletop I've done with this crew has been one of Dave's custom games. I don't know what got us started with the custom game idea, but um, that was just something that um, we did um fairly often so yeah it's uh it's this is all i've known what's what's some of the differences of that game versus what you've done before yeah not really uh not really a whole lot other than you know gabe's ideas are killer <laughs> um and he spends a lot of time putting uh putting a lot of detail in it i swear the just from last night and from some of the stuff i've talked about with with that man in the past i swear he could write for wizards but 
Um, there's not really a whole lot of difference. It's just not a, uh, there aren't a whole lot of D, D10 systems out there. Um, you know, the most famous white uh, ones are, um, are the White Wolf system. Um, and that's literally all D10s. You don't use any other dice at all. Um, it's a little bit more, um, uh, should I say path, pathfindery where, uh, uh, rolling the target or lower is better depending on situation versus rolling above the, above your skill target. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I mean, uh, it's really hard to say one or the other because Dave really uh, um, has good bits from from a bunch of different systems in there. Um, but I really like the post-apocalyptic shit. That's that's something you don't see a whole lot of with uh, with D and D or Pathfinder. You know, because most of the time it's sure you may have something post-apocalyptic, but it'll still be in a almost straight fantasy setting. Um, and not necessarily real world post-apocalyptic. Um, and that's kind of where I think uh, White Wolf's systems got um, got a lot of popu popularity in the in the early 2000s. Uh, that grim dark darkness if you would gotcha but i mean it's a lot it's a lot of fun but then again it's also the the guys we're playing with too i mean the show knows matt the show knows john formerly of the carousel yeah um and he does uh picking up the pixels as well so if you listen to a lot of the shows that we're associated with um, him and Boston from TBGP do that show. It's more RPG, f well, very RPG focused. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, playing with those guys was interesting, and I think uh, uh, it, you know, just interesting bit seeing how people were, uh design play their characters i will say uh and you know just the just the first game it was uh uh i tried not to uh to insert myself too terribly hard because it looked like uh uh matt was pretty focused on taking the reins for the party that's actually Which, abnormal for him. I started saying it was interesting because that's what he, all of you said. <laughs> you could see that we were all shocked. So normally in our group, Matt is very independent and likes to try to break the game a little bit to see what Dave will do. And that's what he's been doing for a long time. And then he took a completely different approach. And he's like, well, I'm the oldest guy in the party, so I'm going to try to be a party leader. And has been making very diplomatic decisions throughout our whole campaign, which has been bizarre <laughs> like i don't even get it i mean he did at one point try to split the party but he listened to me when i said bad idea bad idea yeah i thought it was funny um but i mean it it was just a really good night really good night looking forward to uh to many more of those sessions. Yeah. Um, um, and it, it'll, it's just a monthly thing. I think that's the easiest way to do that with this group is me and John are way less busy than you, Dave and Matt, but that's way more frequent than what we usually do. We usually do a twice a year game. This is our attempt of get, just getting back into that kind of stuff. Um, so, which is why we kind of picked a game that we had played 
weekly for a while. We played in a similar setting with that rule set with a lot of those same powers. Like that was all stuff that Dave created on his own, which is crazy. Like that's a fairly thick rule book. Now, I've shown you the other thing for the other game that we prepare for twice a year, and that one's quite a bit more involved. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, but I mean, you guys have had that yearly campaign going for years. So that's, you know, of course that one's going to be a whole lot more involved, but, um, I was just happy, uh, everybody was cool with me joining this one. I've been itching to roll some dice for a while. So it was it was nice. Other than that, man, just spent most of the week hanging out with the kids after work when I finally did get home. Uh, got a couple more hours of uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla in. Oh. I really, really like that game. And I figured out, I said last week it was pretty, but, you know, some of the textures just looked off. Yeah. I figured out my 1S was not um, HDR configured. Oh. So, lo and behold. That does make it look better. Uh, I configure that, and uh, which, of course, automatically turns on 4K, and everything went pretty, like super pretty. So now it's just, it's even more breathtaking to look at. It's I a, swear light in that game is great, though. It does some really crazy upscaling too. And, but it, one thing that's weird is it does all of that without any kind of like ray tracing or anything like that. I think when it was in development, that wasn't really much of a thing. So it's been in development for a while, but it does look yeah. crazy good. Yes, it does. It does look amazing. They did at least that engine. Um, they did at least prove it does have a good um, global lighting system, even if it doesn't have individual ray tracing. Um, there, there are points at that game in that game where uh, if you turn your character towards the sun. Yeah. You can't hardly see the rest of your screen. Well, it does a really good job with HDR lighting. Yes, um, it does. So I'm really... Uh, and been, I'm, go ahead. I'll be honest. I'm not uh, double-axing so much anymore. What are you doing now? Going axing board is pretty damn good. Getting that parry down was, uh, I don't hardly get hit, period, anymore. <laughs> I I haven't played it in a while. I think when I slow down on big games, I'm probably going to go back through it. Because it's a really large game. Um, but I just haven't had the time to really go back through it. And my headspace hasn't been normal um, for a while, uh, until very recently. So, um, for me... Like, I got pretty decently far. I would say I got about 40%. Um, but I just kind of fell off the wagon. I don't know what happened. There was something that came out. I don't remember what. Yeah. But I... you kind of got knit. I remember you had gotten into that till something else came out, and I don't remember what. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what it was either. Um, but that does bring me to some other stuff, though. Um, I assume because that game's huge, it's going to take you a while to get through it. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about a game that's super cheap. So... When Rusty gets here, me and him will talk Monster Hunter Rise. That game's still great. I've got like 40 hours in it, and I think Rusty's even got just started to pass me last night. 
Um, but the uh, the game I wanted to talk a little bit about was called Vampire Survivors. Um, Vampire Survivors is this little $3 game where you have these, um, it's like 16-bit sprite-based stuff. And it's basically you just move the character around and it's roguelite in that you get random drops for weapons and you build those weapons into combos to eradicate everything on screen. And you get levels ups by um, these little uh, little thingers that give you XP. They drop little blue orb things. There's all sorts of little power-ups, and it's really simple on its face, but fairly difficult to beat, and it's in early access. Um, the, uh, the draw of that game is just the sheer absurdity of it, because the uh, there's literally like maybe four or five hundred enemies on screen at any one time where you see all your numbers stack up and the hordes of things it's thrown at you and the little bosses it's thrown at you. You literally just aim your ship based on what it does. And then the the way that you progress in that game is with area of effect stuff. Um, so it, I don't know. It's just, it's insane. I, uh, I have never enjoyed a $3 game as much as I've enjoyed Vampire Survivors. Like I wholeheartedly hope that somebody watches it on Twitch. I think I could probably stream that at some point because I'm very consistent with getting to the end boss and I can do it on hyper mode with almost all the characters now. Um, I'm almost done with all the unlocks, but I've got like um, 17 hours in it probably. It's freaking crazy. I don't know. What did you think of it when you saw it and saw me play it? Immediately wanted it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is a crazy... Um, it is a crazy bullet hell like I don't want to call it a bullet hell because you don't specifically have projectiles coming at you versus you just have hordes and hordes and hordes of enemies coming at you um, of varying levels and degrees um it's it's insane but the fact that the controls are are so simple and you could literally play it on just about any device i mean i think this game would probably play on a potato as long as it's got um uh probably a a few gigs of ram on it cuz i think you know all of that's got to be procedurally generated somewhere I think it's a little um, bit CPU intensive. I don't know for sure, but the game has actually slowed down on me. So I was playing it today and I had so much stuff on screen that like literally all the sprites were overlapping as I was just blowing shit up and it was spawning it in so fast because towards the, th you, you got to make it to 30 minutes to beat the level and then death comes out and then it axes you and you die. Nobody can beat death yet. That's actually a feature now that I figured out. But when you're playing on hyper mode, everything moves twice as fast. So even the music moves at double speed and it was literally spawning things as soon as I exploded them on top of each other, the entire screen was covered and it dropped, it wasn't dropping frames. It just rendered slower. So it went from like perfect 60 FPS to like 40 FPS and I've got a pretty hefty, uh, processor. So I can't imagine that was taxing my RAM or anything else. I just think it was the sheer volume of bullshit that was on the screen. It was pretty nuts. Very well could be. I mean, it's the specific, it's got to be CPU bound because uh, um, they do not list a GPU requirement for the game. So it's got to be all CPU generated. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of reminds me. So, like, in my head, with as much as progress I have, I feel like I can rate that game. Um, for the price point, it's a five. But for what it is and what it offers, I think I'd give it about a four. But I think that everybody that has 
$3 should give it a shot. That's like, it's not a five game. It's just for, it's knows exactly what it wants and does it, uh, does it exceptionally well. Like I just, I can't get enough of it. In fact, I was just chatting with somebody, um, recently and, uh, he's like, I saw you playing that a lot. He's like, so I decided to go ahead and pick it up since it was so cheap. And he's like, now I can't stop playing it. He's like, it's literally, I'm completely obsessed right now. It's like, yeah, I just did it as a tide ga- a game to tide me over while I was waiting on another game. And uh, well, something I could play on lunch break. And then I just can't put it down. Like having dreams about builds with vampire survivors. Like it's freaking nuts. Um. But Vampire Survivors wasn't the only thing I want to talk about. I just don't want people to not know about it. Like, it's worth it at full, or if you got it on sale, it'd be only like two bucks or something. Like, it's as much as like going to the gas station, getting a drink and a candy bar. Like, come on now. There's energy Three drinks that cost less more. than most cups of Starbucks. Come on. Yeah. So, um, Vampire Survivors wasn't the only thing that I want to talk about, though. I actually don't really want to talk about Dying Light because I've made a decent amount of progress in Dying Light. Uh, Dying Light 2. There's a ray tracing beautiful game. Yeah, and they released a patch this morning. So when I was showing you last night, I was dropping frames here and there. Um, I'm not dropping any frames right now. So they dropped a patch with a thousand fixes today, which is crazy. Um, But the... uh, I'm running on a 3080 with a Ryzen 5 3600 um, and 32 gigs of DDR4. And it will run in 4K. I haven't tried it since the patch, but it doesn't run at 60. I want a game that's that fast-paced to run at 60. So I run it at 2K um, with all the pretties on. Like, I literally have everything cranked up. Um, and I've seen some... PC Gamer did some a lot of tests to see if it play on the 3050. Um, and the new, the budget Ryzen one, uh, what I can't remember. It's like a 6,300 or something, whatever the $200 Ryzen card is right now. Um, but it will run at 60 FPS, 1080, like medium settings on those cards. Now 3050 can technically do ray tracing. They didn't recommend it at all. Um, I also recommend that you use the FSR, the AMD FSR versus DLSS, because I actually did get a performance boost out of that. And not a noticeable drop in graphics, especially with all the ray tracing options turned on versus off and using DLSS. Um, but it's a really, really next-gen looking game. Um, I, Because there's so many dark and light areas, it makes a really good use of ambient lighting. And I think it's almost essential to play it with the um, HDR because it would just be dark plus your flashlight. And with your flashlight... With ray tracing enabled, like you can see kind of a glow around you from the flashlight, which makes it way easier to play at night. And the zombies don't seem to notice your flashlight very much. I thought they would. They don't notice your flashlight at all. I think this is by design. But it's just, it's a really, really good looking game. Now, did you play the first one, Jason? Played a few hours of it. Um, I never got all the way through it, though. I actually didn't either. I started that game probably six times and got to the second area, and I didn't like the second area as much, so I kind of put it down. Um, But this game has gripped me pretty well. It's way more RPG-heavy than the first one in that there's literally right before I got on here, about 15 minutes before I jumped on, um, I got to a point where there was a choice that had a timer on it um, about going one or two separate ways and I had to quit to get ready for the show but like it literally made me choose between two factions um, and it seemed like it was a major choice so I thought that was pretty neat Um, the voice dialogue is done extremely well Um, I haven't had any problem with it it uses some new mechanics and it balances the game out a lot better so the first game if it was nighttime, like, until you're pretty powerful, like, it was just almost game over. Like, you couldn't miss a jump, essentially, or otherwise you're going to get attacked by the super mutated or whatever they are um, and just die. This one, 
that stuff doesn't really spring on you nearly as much. Now, there's some special infected that are on the rooftops that are perfectly manageable um, that I've been able to kill so far. I mean, I'm sure they're going to give me some worse big beds, but so far they're pretty easy to uh, easy to manage um, as long as you stay on the rooftops. Now, if I get on the ground, um, they have these things called howlers, and what they'll do is they'll scream, and then you'll have special infected that can run up to the rooftops, and you'll have a horde following you plus the howler, plus some of the other special infected, um, all chasing you till you can get to a UV light, which is pretty nuts. Um, I actually haven't triggered that that often, though. And there's a lot of exploration that you can do at night versus the day because most of the zombies that are in there wander out into the street at night. So it opens up areas that are harder to explore during the day for that activity. Um, don't want to spoil the reason, but there's a basically a you're an infected dude and at night and outside of the sunlight or the UV rays of the black lights they have, um, you have a counter that counts down to your death basically. And it starts off at like four minutes and some change. So until you level yourself up, you're not really going to be doing a lot of night runs or going into that many buildings because you have a very short timer and you have to use power ups essentially. Um, to go through a dark area, but in the dark areas, um, you have better loot. So I'm kind of working my way up to do more of that stuff. But it's like, do you remember I Am Legend and the way they had the creatures like all resting in the day kind of huddled down? Yeah. That's what they do with the zombies. So there's certain zombies that are in a building. They're sleeping, I guess. Um, that don't wake up unless you basically bump into them or are looking at them dead on, like, and are right up in their face. And so you can stealth take them down like Metal Gear Solid style if you want to, um, which is typically what I do when I'm in a dark area. I just start like fucking choking, choking dudes out. Um, but that's, you know, and then it, you may run into a special infected and you have places you can hide um, to get out of the way of it until you're powerful enough to take it on. But if you do get spotted and you do have things chasing you, there's a lot of little hidey holes basically all over the map where you can hide while you kind of redirect yourself to get to the nearest safe spot so that you can kind of drop your, your chase. Um, but the choice and consequence stuff so far seems like it's starting to pay off. And I really like that. Um, and it isn't, it is encouraging me to play the main story for some unlocks to get that I won't get through the open world stuff, but their version of a radiant quest is done in a good way where you can basically, like you'll see a little blue icon and it'll be like some survivors fighting some zombies or it'll be like survivors fighting survivors or somebody will be trapped um, and need help or something like that. And you get a certain amount of XP for completing those items and they're pretty short um, and have decent rewards. So a lot of times there'll be a weapon chest nearby that you'll get or um, some kind of equipment or something like that. There's also all sorts of like caches that are all over the map that you can loot and then it respawns to get yourself better loot or items to sell. Um, the combat seems a little bit more forgiving than the first one. The first one you could like swing twice and you're done. Um, I've only leveled up my stamina twice and I'm already at a point where I can take on about four or five zombies at a time without completely dying. Got a better, I don't remember the block system real well from the first one, but it's got a block system that's in the game. Um, that works pretty well um, and lets you parry. So like I just unlocked perfect parry. So when somebody swings at me, if I time it right about when they're about to hit, it's not secure or hard, but you can knock them back and then you can like do this Mario jump on top of their head and then like, like drop kick the guy behind them. And it works pretty nice. damn well. Or, or you can be on the top of a truck and jump down and then hit the kick button and then like like double foot stomp somebody into the ground while you're landing and use them to break your fall. Like there's all sorts of really cool stuff with the combat and the movement. Like the parkour is very kind of Assassin's Creed ish, not the up move up button and the move down button, but like it feels really seamless. Um, you just have to have enough stamina to do it. So unlike Assassin's Creed where he's like Spider-Man and he can climb up freaking Eiffel tower without dying. Um, your dude in dying light can crawl about, 20 feet before he's out of stamina, basically, at least early on. So your stamina is not used while you're running, but it is used while you're climbing or you're grabbing onto stuff. 
and it encourages you to use the rooftops like ad nauseum. But as far as I am in the game right now, um, I'm enjoying it a hell of a lot. And especially after the last patch, improving the performance, which was my initial gripe a little bit. Um, I'm having a better a better time with this than it was the first one. It's kind of like, like zombie Skyrim or something. Like it's just with more detail in the story and more choices and better combat and better movement completely different setting but like that's kind of what it is is it's basically like zombie skyrim and i'm enjoying it a hell of a lot nice um i don't without having another game review i don't really have much else at this point <laughs> right um, um did you Go ahead. Did you uh, see uh, the Hitman trilogy uh, hit game pass today? I did not. Are you going to pick that up and try it out? I think, I think I am. I mean, it's 52 gigs for all three games. And apparently this is the... Uh, Uh, the newer versions of the game, so the um, graphics are all upped. Uh, so, yeah, I'll probably install it and try it. Um, I think... I mean, I loved those three games, so... Well, did you ever get a chance to play three? I don't think I did. Yeah, I think I went one, two, and Blood Money. Oh, this Blood Money's old. You're talking about old yeah. school Hitman. This is this is all new Hitman, right? Oh, this is all new Hitman. Okay, then no, I just played the first one. Then you need to give it a shot. I think I need to give it a fair shot. To be fair to the audience, like I've went through a whole period where certain things didn't stick because of outside influences on my life. And without digging into it, like it made me not appreciate certain things the way that I used to. And so I'm in a, like I said, I'm in a way better headspace um, than I was before. And I'm kind of back to where I like that style of game. Hence, like Dying Light, even eight months ago, I don't think I would have been able to play it. Right now, I'm like laser focused and having a, a ball with it. And Hitman, it's very open-ended in what you do. And it's a little bit grindy. Um, but... I really like, I did like the first one quite a bit. I just never got into the second or the third one. Um, I don't know. Do you want to take a break? Yeah, let's go ahead. I got a, I got a seven year old I can peek in on. All right. We'll be back. back after not so short a break where me and Jason talked about stuff we can't talk about on the show. Um, Jason, what is going on in the wide world of gaming news right now? Stuff we can talk about. Yeah. Um, first story on the docket today, Google has reportedly deprioritized it's consumer-facing streaming platform Stadia and now has a reduced interest in negotiating blockbuster titles for the service, rather focusing on shifting gears to selling the streaming technology to, uh, to third parties. Okay, so what does that mean? Basically, they would be selling use of their infrastructure like Microsoft does with Azure um, uh, to host similar to host similar services. I know uh, 
um, before recent events, uh, Bungie and Google were exploring a, uh, a deal together to, uh, um, back, uh, Destiny 2's, uh, uh, back end with, with their services. So they're going to try to sell the technology and not negotiate new games because it's probably not doing that well. Oh yeah. Uh, since it's, it's been out for what, two from years, the first right? Six months after its release in 2019. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all know Stadia's rollout has been slow and problematic. Um, and games like new world haven't helped it out at all. Um, so new world uh, was i didn't uh, realize that new world was streaming on it yeah yeah um but as we know they closed their first party game studios less than 14 months after launch um and despite them saying stadia was alive and well last last week um this seems like they've just their sales just keep dropping uh there's not any growth at all part of that being their library is so small yeah. i would imagine i'd imagine too and it's like we thought that Baldur's gate was going to come out last year and it didn't and that was one of their big titles and i feel like that just didn't really do anything and then new world really didn't do crazy good right like it well, I say didn't do good. The it's got a very mixed review because of what it is. It had a really successful little bit after they worked out launch bugs, but I think a lot of people kind of fell off it very fast. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about New World in the last little bit. It's all been Final Fantasy in the world of MMOs. Um, yep. So, I imagine we're going to have some kind of announcement soon. At this point, if that's what they're doing, is selling off their technology and not acquiring new IPs because there are new games out like dying light seems to be doing pretty well found out on break that tiny teeny tiny Tina's what is it winter winter I can't remember what the hell that is the fantasy game that's based on borderlands characters um came out and I didn't even know anything anything about it at all yeah the the only thing stadia is going to have going for it uh in the coming years, uh, they still um, plan on releasing another 100 games this year. Um, but with with them reportedly switching gears, who, who knows how long That's, that support will last. I'm going to hit the brakes real quick. Tiny Tina doesn't come out till March 25th. Oh, so it doesn't? No, so it's oh. not out. Oh, okay. I was really thinking, how did I miss that? It's not out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, then I, it was just an epic store pre-sale that I saw then. Probably so. Probably so. I'm, that was for PC. It was exclusively on Epic, so it wouldn't surprise me. Um, what else you got there, man? Um, other news uh, about other recent news. Uh, the FTC is reportedly. Uh, stepping in to review Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal um, and reportedly um, will only be reviewed by the by the FTC and will not uh, include review by the Justice Department, uh, which is abnormal. Um Apparently, um, The Verge and other sites have tried reaching out to the FTC and Microsoft for comment, and neither body has responded. They're probably not going to release that game plan. I imagine right? it's a big merger. I don't know that it constitutes anything illegal because they are big companies, but that's essentially what they are. Just They're buying big companies, and if... They may have to do something where some of those games, because of multi-year contracts, have to release on Sony still. Um, but 
the fact that some of that stuff's going to end up being a part of the Game Pass platform is pretty exciting. So, I'm. I would. I would also see. um, uh, Not necessarily with uh, Blizzard titles per se, um, but I could definitely where the the majority of that market share is on PC anyway. Yeah. But um, Activision titles uh, like Call of Duty, Crash Bandicoot. Guitar Hero. Um, I could definitely see those being antitrust targets. Let's say. That's a possibility. Um, just because of the, the wide, wide, wide popularity of that stuff. So I could see the Activision titles being ones where... Um, Unless there were some firm agreements that those were not going to become uh, platform exclusive, that they could very well choose to block the deal. I guess. We'll, um, I though guess Phil Spencer has said from the beginning that it's not Xbox's intent to pull communities away from the, you know, away from other platforms. So who, who knows? Ultimately, um, as long as those don't become exclusive, I don't see, I don't see a problem with it, but that's going to be hard to hold to in the future. Like at some point, corporate's going to do what corporate does. That's fair. Um, and along the same lines, it was announced this week that, uh, Sony has acquired the Halo and Destiny developer Bungie. Right. But 343 took over Halo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft's not losing Halo. Um, as everyone knows, uh, Bungie sold its rights to Halo when, when they left Xbox game studios. Um, and went out on their own. Uh, so the original Halo games are, are still firmly at Microsoft. But uh, uh, this would definitely mean that uh, Sony would now uh, own Destiny. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Right? Um, this deal, of course, is not near as near as big as Activision Blizzard deal, but it is still $3.6 billion for a single developer. Yeah, and has arguably only produced one real game right now. I Uh, mean, it's just been Destiny. Destiny's been, I feel like it's still fairly relevant, but it is kind of their single shebang right now. Yeah, and it's not like, Okay. Like you got Bethesda, right? They purchased for a lot of money, but there's a lot of little small companies under Bethesda, you know? Right. Well, and I'm going to get a lot, a lot of people are going to be angry at me for this statement. And a lot of people are going to agree with me for this statement. Aside from Halo, Bungie has developed one game and that is Destiny. Destiny 2 was just more Destiny. Um... They added a few tweaks here and there, but for the most part, they're the same freaking game. Yeah, it is the same game. They they changed some things up, but it is the same IP and not a lot of difference. And it is it is a big game, right? Like it's there's a lot of people who play Destiny. In fact, friends of the show, um, TVGP plays a hell of a lot of Destiny, but it's just Destiny. Yeah. I really think uh I really think more so from a uh uh from a Sony interactive standpoint um this is probably more an acquisition based on uh Bungie's background in in the multiplayer online gaming space um 
where Sony's not had a ton of experience or success um, out of their own studios with. Um, so, you know, this may be a move towards more massive online multiplayer games than uh, uh, with some of their their own studios yeah well, i guess we'll just see at this point right and pretty much that's all we can do um of course uh, the deal's not finalized it's still gotta go through regulatory review and everything else um but the chances that um this deal specifically uh, could go through the hoops that microsoft's deal with activision blizzard is most likely going to have to go through are very small because we're talking about one developer with one franchise really um so that'll most likely definitely happen well what else you get what else we got jason other news uh crytech uh confirmed this week that they are developing a new crisis game Big surprise. Will it run? (laughs) I think it probably will nowadays. A lot of what was causing Crisis to have issues is when they created Crisis, they thought they were trying to future-proof it by relying on single CPU speed versus GPU speed. And so it essentially what happened is they future-proofed it by checking... um, setting it to where it would run better at a faster CPU speed. Well, CPU speeds did increase, but did GPU speeds exponentially and and capacity exponentially changed after that? Because this was back in the old graphic cards days where things were done a lot differently. So the crisis joke really just came about because of the wrong path they took on future planning that game or future proofing it. And so I feel like nowadays... Um, I think the will it run crisis, it'll just, everything will run crisis to varying degrees. Now I started to say the joke more so came back because of, uh, the high, high requirements for crisis three to really, um, uh, to really run with, uh, without completely potatoing the graphics. You can still get it to fairly You can still get it to fairly potato stuff because it's set to single core on something that at a speed that most people don't run. Um and so it's yeah. just if you're ever interested, look at like what 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 happened to Crisis. Why is Crisis Crisis? And it's actually less about what you would think it would be. But I don't remember right. all the details. This is just random like little bits of like knowledge just spewing forth from my brain. <laughs> it could be <laughs> kind of wrong right so i mean whatever crytek engine's a good engine and the crisis games are good so more of them's not a bad thing uh and in other news uh microsoft announced in a uh company's earning call on tuesday uh that They've had 20 million people play Halo Infinite and 18 million people played Forza Horizon 5. That is, if anything else, speaking to the pull of Game Pass. Yeah, like, that's freaking insane. Right? Um, I mean, you... You can imagine now Halo, a little bit harder to tell how much of a gauge that is just because they did go free to play on the multiplayer part of the game. Uh, So you don't even have to have Game Pass to play multiplayer. But the, uh, but just the fact that even that many, even that many people uh, logged in to play it on, on those services is, is saying something. Um, 
you know, uh, Microsoft doesn't, doesn't always do right. And I'm not saying Microsoft doesn't have their problems. Um, Halo fight, Halo infinite has had several issues, but game pass as a service is one of the best things Microsoft has done. Yeah, or not. I, I don't disagree. I feel like it's kind of revolutionized, like the way you look at your, the way you purchase things and it's very affordable. And that's something that gaming is increasingly becoming is not as affordable with the price of how much they're selling games for, you know? Well, not only that, but just, uh, hardware, whether it's a console or a PC, um, those costs continue to increase. They're not going to go down anytime soon if they ever go down at all. Um, I I think we're kind of we're kind of at the point where hardware is going to cost you, and that just makes the barrier of entry that much higher. I know, and it just it the fact that games went are starting to go into that seventy dollar price range is crazy because. We're in the middle of a lot of people who did not survive the pandemic the same way that me and you did. And it doesn't make sense to increase the cost of things. I mean, it might fiscally make sense, but on a user standpoint, like there's a lot of people that could barely afford a game every couple of months, depending on what they're doing, right? With their lives. Um, I think you still fit into that category where like Game Pass is really the most economical option for you. And if new stuff comes out on there, so be it. And then you've probably got a budget for about four or five games that you can do a year and uh, not have your wife skin you alive. So um, that's that's pretty true, though. I would say um, that ten dollar increase we've started seeing over the last year, uh, pretty much across the board, has has been coming for a long time. I mean, games have been, games have been $60 new for the better part of 25 years. The, uh, and with larger games, uh, that took far more, uh, development time, such as, uh, um, you know, RPGs, etc. um, you know, some developers may may back some of that increased development time cost by, you know, releasing, you know, special editions for higher cost, etc. Yeah, um, we're seeing less of those, and just an overall general increase to the seventy dollars, which I think was was something that was going to come one way or the other. Uh, my last bit of news, uh, New Line Cinema announced this week uh, that they are they have greenlit and are moving forward with a sequel to last year's Mortal Kombat movie, um, and they have hired Jeremy Slater, uh, who was the writer on... Marvel and Disney Plus's uh, new series, Moon Knight, uh, to write the script for the second movie. When's Moon Knight slated to drop? Uh, drop sometime this month, I think. Hang on. I'm actually fairly interested in that. I I'm really interested in in that show just because it is a. It is a great character. Um, I thought it was the end of this month, but no, it's the end of next month. It's March 30th. So that'll be coming out soon. Um, but uh, everything I've seen for it as far as trailers and stuff, it looks like it's going to be awesome. Um and, you know, as good as the Mortal Kombat movie was, I don't know if you still haven't watched that or not, Justin. I haven't had a chance. Um, 
it is, uh, I mean, it was good, but, you know, if, if we got bare script out of the second movie, I wouldn't be mad. Uh, the first movie was fairly, uh, uh, fairly simple. Um, and of course, uh, like any, like most video game movies, you know, it's, uh, uh, it had its bit bits that were kind of, uh, shoehorned in. Yeah. Uh, but it is on max. I wonder, I had to check my max account and see if it's available again. Cause it was initially available and then it disappeared, you know, like all things do, um, or the way that they've been doing the in cinema releases. And I, the only one that I've caught is I caught. Um, Dune, the new one, and I didn't catch the Matrix because everybody poo pooed on it. Even my parents poo pooed on it. Like they're just like, yeah, this was not that great. Um, I know some people really like the story of it, but I just the fact that they were kind of just going kind of to a reset of the story seemed kind of weird. I don't know it just felt to me kind of like a Wachowski cash grab moment because nothing's going to capture that original movie. Right. But uh, to be honest, it is back on Max now. Um, oh, you already checked? I, yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. In fact, I watched it again last week. I might have to give um, that a shot because I really did want to see it. I actually did like the direction they took with, uh, uh, with adding in a in a new character, you'll like how they, how they added that character. Um, the movie did kind of jump around without a whole lot of explanation. Um, but then again, that first mortal combat film was, uh, uh, while it, it still didn't answer a lot of stuff either. Um, and it was just generally cheesy. Um, this did not include the tournament, the first movie. So, uh, I'm sure the second movie will probably actually introduce the tournament itself. Well, as far as any other news, there's some things, but it's a month of game releases, as there's quite a bit coming out in February. Um, obviously, we had Dying Light that just released yesterday. Um, you've got Horizon Forbidden West, which is coming out February 18th for PS5. On February 17th, you have um, Total War Warhammer 3, which will be on Game Pass. You have a martial arts focused game called Sifu or Sifu. I'm not sure, but that comes out February 8th. Um, the life is strange remaster collection just released this week. We have grid legends coming out on February 25th, which I could care less about since Elden ring also releases on February 25th. So there is a lot coming out in a very short amount of time. Just why I ended up putting down Monster Hunter to play Dying Light because I did. I've been anticipating a new game for once. Um, not that I have anything against Monster Hunter because I've been having a blast with that game. That's uh, it's a really fun game. Um, but I have been wanting to play Dying Light for quite a while and wanting a a role role playing game, action role playing game for quite a while. So um, that was really interesting to me and what I wanted to put my focus on until Elden Ring. And that's what you're going to get out of me. I might touch Total War. But those games are pretty dense, and so if I'm finished with Elden, or if I'm finished with Dying Light Two by the time that uh, Elden Ring comes out, then I are before by the time Warhammer comes out, I'll play that. But if I'm not, then I'm going to focus on finishing that or making a good amount of progress before Elden Ring, because that's really the probably my most anticipated release this year, bar none. Yeah, I mean, Elden Ring is the the golden goose this year, I think. 
Yeah. And it, from all the people in the beta liking it, that's a, a, a pretty good thing. So the hype is real with Elden Ring right now. Um, but I really don't have much else. Jason, do you have anything else? Nope. There's not really much else out on, out on the wire right now. That's really, uh, that's really noteworthy enough to, uh, to talk about. So I think that's pretty much where we're at. Um, find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash TheRealTiltCast and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Rate us, review us, and subscribe. Find some friends of the show. You got uh, Cabbage, KBG. You've got For the Love of Gaming, Picking Up the Pixels or Pupcast. You've got NoQuarters.net, BMFCast.com, and TVGP.TV. Go to them for all of your bungee needs. And with that, it's the end of the show. Peace.